Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you've been coming for a while and uh, you know we've been doing this series on Theravadan uh, masters, Theravadan is the, the lineage that the teachings and practices that I um, share and that are shared at Spirit Rock uh, comes from. The, the teachings, the way of the elders, Tara means elder, Theravadan, the way of the elders, the earliest teachings of, of the Buddha, uh, practiced mostly in uh, Thailand, Burma, Sri Lanka, um, Laos, Cambodia, and uh, been using um, this book, which is now entitled Living Dharma uh, by Jack Cornfield of 12 different uh, masters, uh, all from Thailand or Burma, either Ajans, Ajan is, from, is a master from Thailand, or Sayadaws, which is uh, an appellation for a name uh, for uh, Burmese masters. And tonight I wanted to share with you about Tampulu Sayadaw. I tried to get a picture off of the internet. Sometimes you can get big pictures and sometimes it's just like this. So I couldn't do it, but uh, afterwards you can come up if you want to take a look at, at Tampulu Sayadaw. Um, who I have a particular uh, appreciation for and, and, and connection with. Um, the one, uh, in 1982, uh, along with uh, a, f- a few other friends, including Joseph Goldstein and Wes Nisker, Stephen Smith, I don't know if, you'd, if the others would, uh, would be any, oh, uh, Wendy Nakao, who is the, the abbot of the the uh, LA Zen Center, um, we all uh, took ordination for a short period of time in Bodh Gaya, India. And Tampulu Sayadaw was our preceptor, um, which means that he was the one who really empowered the ordination. It was a very memorable experience, just in robes for... I was uh, two weeks, which is not an it's an it's a traditional thing that people can do in in Thailand or in Burma. Uh, usually, um, before the age of 21, boys go to the monastery and take robes. Oh, for I, I think it's usually three times before they're 21. Um, then there are other kinds of monastic orders where when you take robes, you're doing it as a long-term commitment. Like if you uh, go up to a Bayagiri, uh, Ajahn Amaro and Ajahn Pasano Center, or Amaravati or Ajahn Chah's Center, um, you have to go through a, a process for a while just to make sure that you're ready to commit to the life of a monastic. Um, but this was, uh, even for those two weeks, it was profound. And um, and Tampulu Saida was was the preceptor, so that's a, he holds a you know a special place in in my life and in my heart. Um, just a couple of things about him. Mm. He was let's see, born in uh, does it say? The age of 20 was in 1917, so he was born, I guess, 1893. Um, And uh, he died, I think it was somewhere in the mid-80s. I forget exactly when. And he came to America at the invitation of Rena Sirkar, Dr. Rena Sirkar. Maybe <coughs> some people have heard. How many people have heard of Rena, Rena Sirkar? No. She, she teaches, I think she still might be uh, teaching at the uh, 
California Institute of Integral Studies, used to be California Institute of Asian Studies, <coughs> a Burmese woman and a fine teacher who was a student of Tungpulu's and invited him to come here and he set up this monastery in Boulder Creek, which is still going strong, the Tampulu Kabe Aye Monastery, T-K-A-M. <clears throat> um, Bob Stahl, who's one of the leading mindfulness-based stress reduction teachers, uh, particularly on this side of the country, was in that monastery with Tampulu for nine years, I think it was. Um, so he had a, a, a big influence on Bob, who has uh, been sharing about mindfulness of the body for many years since. It's said that Tangpulu, you never know about these things, but it is said that Tangpulu was, uh, took bodhisattva vows, which is, in the Theravadan tradition, very different than going to, say, an empowerment with the Dalai Lama and taking bodhisattva vows or some Tibetan Rinpoche taking bodhisattva vows. Theravadins have bodhisattva vows as well, but it is a very different thing. The Buddha, before he was known as the Buddha, um, or I should say after he was known as the Buddha, his, the life leading up to Buddhahood and all the lives before then from the time that he, that he um, decided to become a Buddha, he was known as the Bodhi, Bodhisattva or Buddha-to-be. And it's said that, just a little aside, um, it's said that he took that Bodhisattva vow when the previous Buddha was alive. This was not just the other day. This is supposedly, if you look at their cosmology, eons before. I don't know how that works with how long humans have been talking about these things, but in one cosmology, eons, eons, eons before. And the previous Buddha is, was known as Dipankara Buddha. And he was so inspired uh, by... Uh, Dipankara Buddha, in that life, he was known as Sumedha. There's Ajahn Sumedho, but he's known as Sumedha. And he took a vow, I too will become a Buddha. And Dipankara, who had some good psychic powers, got hurt, felt that vow, and he turned to that young man and he said, you will be a Buddha. And that was the only other, that was the previous Buddha. There are supposedly other Buddhas, but there weren't any Buddhas between Dipankara and Gotama Buddha. So when you're taking the Bodhisattva vow in the Theravadan tradition, you are vowing to keep on coming back to postpone your own enlightenment, complete awakening, literally until you become a Buddha. So that's very huge commitment, especially when in Theravadan tradition they talk about uh, you can be liberated fully free and experience the same degree of complete liberation as the Buddha uh, without being a Buddha. You can be a fully enlightened being. A Buddha means that you also have the capacity to teach the ultimate in skillful means and meet everyone where they are and you have developed a number of other powers so you have a very special capacity to transmit and teach the Dharma. So Tampulu, some of these other guys, they say, well, so-and-so was really a fully enlightened being, so-and-so was enlightened. Tampulu, if the scoop is true, he was not a fully enlightened being, pretty high guy, but he had postponed it until he became, he was going to be a Buddha. Um, I once uh, went with Jack uh, to interview him down in, uh, uh, in Boulder Creek, and he had this very, um, what, strong presence like a rock, and 
very, uh, you could see the years and years of practice. And it was, wasn't quite intimidating, but it was like, okay, this, this guy is in a different league from, from me and from us. But Bob, who, uh, who's a friend who hung out with him a lot, he said he was, he was really you know, a, a very sweet and easy guy um, when you got to know him behind the scenes. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, is his practice. We've done this practice before a while ago when we were going through the Satipatthana Sutta. Uh, his main practice is um, the 32 parts of the body practice. Now, maybe if some of you have done this before, say, oh, I've, I've done that, I know this one. Well, you can't overdo this one. You, you can go in very, very deeply, and I'll share with you a bit of of how it works, and we'll play around with it tonight and maybe do a few little exercises. Um, what it, it does is, uh, the 32 parts of the body is one of the contemplations in the Satipatthana Sutta, where it says, um, this is the words of the Buddha, uh, and again, monks, a monk ref or a practitioner reflects upon this very body from the soles of his feet up and from the crown of his head down, enclosed by the skin and full, this is in this translation, full of impurities, thinking thus, there are in this body hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, Pleura, spleen, lungs, intestines, mesentery, gorge, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, solid fat, tears, liquid fat, saliva, mucus, synovial fluid, and urine. Kind of deromanticizes the any package that you might be um, attracted to. And it is uh, one of 40 concentration techniques, classical concentration techniques, that you can use to, to both collect the mind, you can become very concentrated, even go into higher levels of absorption using this kind of practice, and as well um, deconstruct the sense of self to see beyond the package, to see, oh, this is... This is what a human being is. It's, it's very potent. I have not done it the way to the intensity uh, that Tampulu does it, which is a 165-day course that you do. I've done it for you know, a day or two. Uh, so I can't profess to be any expert at this, but even doing it for, for a couple of days kind of shifts your reality a bit. Um, the one, one thing before we get into the practice, let's see, well, maybe a few things. He says, the whole practice of Buddhism may be regarded as a process of attaining right understanding of reality which means really seeing impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and the selfless nature of this mind and body. We are devoid, analytical reflection upon the constituent parts of the body reveals the fact that we are devoid of any permanent soul or self. Um, and the way that you do the, the practice um, he talks about, this is his words, verbal recitation is also to be carried out during the course of visualization. So for proper development, the practice must be a repeated verbal recitation and vis visualization. Mm. And this is the words of the Buddha. Verbal recitation is a condition for the mental recitation, and the mental recitation is for the penetration 
of the characteristics of the foulness of the constituent parts of the body. Mm. Now, uh, something that I mentioned previously as we did this, so many people have a hard time liking their body, you know, having a, a, any kind of a, a, a decent body image, even if you happen to be, you know, gorgeous and buff and whatever, you know, there's the classic, you know, supermodel who looks and says, oh, too bad about that, you know. So I want to give you, just put this in perspective, this is not to revile your body. At least, that's not, I think, the, the total truth. We have to, I think, also learn to honor, and the Buddha did, honor the body as he said that if you don't take care of the temple, uh, then as he didn't do when he was on his quest and starved the body, went through self-mortification, you, um, you will not see the truth either. So his was the middle way of not aggrandizing and not, uh, not denying it. But this is, a lot of his practices are about cutting through the attachment to the body. And one way to cut through the attachment, particularly to other bodies, as well as attachment to our, who we think we are, um, is, to, is to break it down, to deconstruct the package. So I say this, and we go through this, with that caveat that this is not meant to say that the more you hate the, your body, the better Buddhist you'll be. There's really a, a, a place for honoring it, appreciating it, appreciating how much it can serve you without being entran entranced by it as the, uh, as the teaching goes, rather than having being seduced by it to, to find a place of not being enchanted by it and seeing that you are more than your body or seeing that your body is not the ultimate reality of who you are. Given that, there is a real power to cut through that enchantment. Now read his practice, and then we'll do it a bit, and then see how you can actually go through this in your, your life. Mm -hmm. The 32 constituent parts composed of 20 solids and 12 liquids, are divided into six groups, each group to be contemplated on for at least five days. This is the 165-day course. The six groups are as follows, and we'll do those in a, in, a, in a few minutes, right after I finish this. We'll go through the different six groups. To follow the 165-day course that he recommends, Meditators should proceed with the constant recitation and visualization of each of the six groups, first forward five days apiece, then backward five days apiece. So I'll give you like the first group is hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. So five days you're saying those five constituents, that group, over and over, like if you're familiar with metta meditation, you're saying, instead of, may I be safe from harm, may I be, you're saying, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. Hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin. Over and over and over. But you're visualizing, you're relating to those different parts, and you're saying it slow enough to actually tune in to that component of your body. So you do it forward five days, then you reverse it and do it back, so you, backwards. Skin, teeth, nails, hair of the body, and hair of the head. Do that five days continuously. So you'll become very well acquainted with those body parts. After 
after this first 60 days, that's six groups of 10, forwards and backwards, five each, they should repeat both forwards and backwards five days apiece. Then the meditator should add together first one, then two groups, then the third group, up to the full six groups for the recitations and visualizations, each time taking five days for the addition of a new group forward and five days for the recitation backward. So you got the first group, and then you do that with the second group together. So you've got 10 forwards and backwards. Then you've got a third group, all three of them forwards and backwards, etc., until you get up to six. <clears throat> In the end, after approximately six months, the meditator will reach a point of mindfulness of the full 32 parts of the body. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> it's one way to spend six months. And you get a whole new way of relating to what this human form is. I'll just read a little bit more, and then we'll do it. The effect of repeated practice will be that the constituent parts become more and more clearly envisioned. The repulsive and destructive nature of the body becomes more and more reflected upon and the distracted mind becomes more and more uh, undistracted and gradually concentrated. And then a couple of more things. He says, this is really the great practice. I'll read a few things. Mindfulness of the constituent parts of the body is the most eminent one among all meditations that relate to the four foundations of mindfulness. He gets a little bit like, you know, He's, he's on, a, on a, a roll here and on, on his thing. And it's obviously an incredibly powerful practice. However, just to be mm, uh, honest, a few others say, mine is the way. Hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, the practice of this single simple meditation assures the attainment of enlightened wisdom. Mindfulness of the constituent parts of the body um, leads not only to insight, but is the highest course of practice in the concentration for the calmness of mind. And then, um, so it's a great insight uh, practice and also for concentration. And then he says, um, putting it into practice while you're walking, standing, sitting, or lying down. So you're, you're doing it all the time. Okay, now let's, let's do it a little bit. So I'll say this aloud, and then, uh, and you can just go inside, and I'll say it slow enough for you to get a, uh, a sense of it and take it in. You don't have to do any kind of analysis. Just put your attention on that body part. Okay? Hair of the head. Hair of the body. Nails. Teeth. And skin. Hair of the head. Hair of the body. Nails. Teeth. And skin. Hair of the head. Hair of the body. Nails. Teeth and skin. He will move to the second group. Flesh. 
which as I understand it means the the muscles because there's nothing that says muscles but underneath the skin just that feeling of flesh sinews which is like ligaments and tendons that hold the muscles sinews bones just reflect on your whole body as a skeleton for a moment. Marrow inside your bones where the blood is made. Kidneys. Flesh. Flesh, sinews, bones, marrow, and kidneys. We'll do the third group. Heart. Liver. Diaphragm, they have in this translation. Spleen. And lungs, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, and lungs. Next group, bowels, your large intestines. Intestines, that's the small intestines. Mesentery, that's what holds it all together. And brain. Bowels, intestines, mesentery, feces, and brain. Next group, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, Sweat, and solid fat. Bile, phlegm, pus. Blood, sweat, and solid fat. And the last group, 
tears. Liquid fat. Saliva. Mucus. Synovial fluid. That means the oil of the joints. And urine. Tears. Liquid fat. Saliva. Mucus. Synovial fluid. And urine. Now, just for the next few moments, we can do a little variation. As you sit here, tune into your body. You can use any of these that are named. You can just tune into whatever constituents come to mind. And rather than you seeing it as me, look at it as these various parts, this various components, systems, whether it's your blood and your circulatory system or your bones, your skeleton, or your brain and nervous system. Just notice that is all happening in some kind of pattern that's keeping you alive. But you're made up of all of these different parts. This is who you are, for want of a better word that you call I or me. And you might now for a few moments Just notice that your skeleton is keeping you up and the flesh around it and all the systems in there. Just uh, see yourself as some bones with some skin encapsulating all of these different systems. And now I'd like you to slowly open your eyes. And slowly stand up. Notice how you get from sitting to standing. And at your own rate, stand up. We'll do just a little experiment with this. To your skeleton of these different components, and now we'll just do that for a few moments. And now I'd like you you can open your eyes. And look around, and as you look around, see all of these other skeletons and component parts, skeletons with skin and 
lungs and spleen and phlegm and blood and feces and marrow and all of that. Just look around. Instead of seeing, oh, hi, I know you or I don't know you, look at all the beings around you as these components of stuff, whether it's 32 parts or whatever, look at them as walking skeletons with brains and all the other stuff. Just like you, you can turn around and look. You might see some conditioning. Oh, I like that one. I'm not so sure about that one. For a few moments, cut through that and just see skeletons and these different systems. Hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin. In fact, we did this once before. Very slowly walk around the room And I'm going to just say this list once and see if you can, whatever body happens to be in front of you or your own, connect with that body part, okay? Don't have to say anything, don't say anything out loud, okay? Hair of the head, you can walk around a little. We all have this. Hair of the head. Hair of the body. Nails, teeth, and skin, flesh, sinews. Just imagine the sinews in the the mind-body passing you right now. Bones. Marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs. Bowels, intestines, mesentery, feces, brain, bile, phlegm. Pus, blood, sweat, solid fat, tears, liquid fat, saliva. Mucus, synovial fluid, oil of the joints, and urine. Okay, now slowly make your way back to your place. And as you pass all of these bodies, connect to them still in this way as skeletons with all of these systems just walking around. Cut through the package and see what's here.
there, there's not enough time I was to do dyads, but maybe we can just have a, uh, a check-in. What was that like? What's it like? Anybody? What's your experience? Well, at first, I liked it because my I could tent, my mind started to concentrate. It was easier. There had been lots of thinking during the earlier meditation. And then when you said brain, I was like, but that's me. <laughs> and I realized how identified I was, particularly with this part of the body. The other parts, not as identified. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I noticed that was informative for me was when you said, like when we were connect, walking around connecting, this was a little awkward and for me to do. But when you said heart, connect, mm-hmm. the word heart came up, this was very familiar. Mm-hmm. You know, just this sense of trying or inclining my mind towards connecting towards people's hearts. Mm-hmm. So it was much different to try to connect to people's livers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but the heart, was there was much more practice in that. And so mm-hmm. I felt good about that, uh-huh. actually. That's, uh, that's great. It's really interesting also to see, you know, oh, their heart connection. Oh, that's who they are. And there's something to somebody's unique energy. But there's a heart in there and there's a liver in there and, and there's no one in there that you can point to and say, that's the essence. So you see where, you're, where there's a connection, which is, can be a beautiful thing, where there's, there might be attachment, where there might be repulsion, and it's just all doing its thing. Yeah, that's great. Anybody else? Yeah. Thanks, Dave. It was easy for me to it was easy for me to imagine these body parts because um, I used to work in a hospital mm. in surgery and so forth. So I, yeah, I mean, it was very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just noticing earlier how a lot of people were coughing. And yeah, that's that's mucus. <laughs> you know, I mean, we all have it, and um, it kind of took the package. It it kind of equal, equalized the packages. Yeah. Whereas I'm always comparing myself: am I bigger, or smaller, or shorter, or taller, or whatever, whatever, to other people? And it's sort of like, well, yeah, everybody has a little bit of fat on them, you know, or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, right, right over there behind you. Thanks. When you mentioned blood, I couldn't uh, help but imagine how the blood donor associations would like seeing all this blood walking around the room. <laughs> it came to mind uh, the liquids came to mind quite a bit, and the skeleton walking, the skeleton walking with liquids around it. And uh, the thing that I grasped most and enjoyed most, I noticed I had a smile on my face a lot, the whole time, Mm -hmm. was that everything, all of it, is impermanent. And none of it is who we really are. That's the point. (laughs) You got it. Yeah. Imagine, uh, this is my suggested extra credit practice, if you want to play with this. It's one thing to kind of say, oh, that's cool, that's a good idea, you know, that's kind of an interesting perspective. It's another one to actually practice this when you're in line, you know, at Safeway or in a crowd of people to just shift that perspective it doesn't mean you you know you're just talking to a, a bag of bones and you know you got to watch what you're saying uh, still, but to just do that little shift from time to time. Oh, this is you know blood and pus and phlegm and brain and heart and liver. You know, a bag of of bones. It's quite. Fascinating. Did you you want to say something here? Just uh, and you got to turn it on. One last thing. Right over there. 
put it right next to your lips. Well, this is sort of embarrassing, but I don't know all the body parts that you named or the things that you named. So when you were saying certain things, like, you know, I, I know I have a spleen. I'm not exactly sure where it is in my body, um, but I couldn't feel it uh-huh. in the same way I could feel the things that I knew. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so I'd feel something, well, could that be my spleen I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. And so how does that change things? You like? just actually, you know, in this list is from the time of the Buddha. So they didn't, they didn't have you know, Gray's Anatomy. They, they could have, you know, had a few thousand body parts. Um, so these, this is just a list that was, has been going on. Who, I don't know if there's... Is there synovial fluid? Is there a doctor in the house? And there's actually synovial? Okay, all right. So I don't know this stuff. You know, oh, oil in the joints. I think of, you know, Wizard of Oz and the Tin Man, you know. Oh, yeah, that feels much better. Um, it doesn't matter. You can do that as a concentration technique, but on, on your own practical level, just notice the parts that you can relate to. Even if you're noticing, oh, there's a liver in there. Or there's, uh, you know, a nervous system. Or uh, I, I mentioned last month that I went to, and it's still around for a little bit longer until the January 26th uh, in San Jose, Body World. How many, anybody seen it? Highly recommend it. It's called Body World. You can just Google it. And they, they preserve these actual bodies. They figured out, this guy from Germany figured out or Austria figured out how to, to um, he had this process called plastination, where there's actual real bodies that people donated for science, and you can see the whole show. And after, it's actually since then, uh, I, I just see nervous systems and muscles, and uh, you know what I mean? It really... There's a shift of reality, you know. If you, if the the person, your loved one is like, you know, this this skeleton with a jaw, you know, going back and you know, like in what Mars attacks, you know, I, 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 like that. And it's not to to diminish the fact of that connection that you might feel, but just to see another level of reality as you as you do that. It's uh, it's extraordinary. So. Um, have fun, right? And uh, see how not only you relate to the others, but yourself as well. Instead of, oh, I wish my nose was different or my hair was straight. It's completely out of your control, right? That's the beauty of it. When you really get it, it's like, why isn't that? It's following its own laws. And you're wanting it to be different. You know, certainly you want to take care of it and look presentable, but you're wishing it were different. It's really missing the basic truth of reality that you are not your body. It is this incredible gift to honor and take care of, but it's not the ultimate definition of who you are. Uh, And the same can be said of your mind as well. That'll be another for another week. So um, let's close with a, a loving kindness meditation. Mm. What's her name? Mary Harrison, Michael's mother, who's uh, who's ninety, is undergoing. Um, Operation angioplasty, uh, and uh, she might perhaps need an amputation. Um, so let's just bring her to mind. Mary Harrison has lived a, a long life and would like to have as healthy a last chapter as possible. May you feel our support. May you feel your own goodness and courage and may you have the optimal healing available to you.
so your light can shine a bit longer. And then with that same spirit of kindness, well-wishing to this body and mind called me, you, may I be safe from harm. May this body and mind be as healthy as possible. May I feel all the love and the goodness inside and share it well. May I wake up to my true nature beyond body and mind. And then to send thoughts of kindness to everyone here and all beings in all directions. <coughs> As I want to be happy, may all be happy. May all have peace in their lives. May all share their love well. And may all awaken and be free. And may our coming together have a beneficial rippling effect to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy.